Like if we think about the things that they probably would have said here, I want yeah. this to be quick. I'm not too fussy about price. I just want to get rid of it. And, you know, the story behind it is not of your concern, mm-hmm. right? Because if I'm, if I'm committing the fraud, yeah. I want to give as little detail as possible beyond it's me, I'm the, I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> if they say that, you've got to run. Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage. And in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Hello, one and all. It's time. For another episode of Level Up, I'm Daniel. I'm here with Katie. Hello. We're going to talk about some fun stuff today. Like always. That's right. Let's get into it. Yeah. So we are talking about a couple of recent news stories and wondering, and like probably many of you are, how the hell do people sell a house that's not theirs and get away with it? That's a good question. It's uh, It's fraud. We're going to talk about fraud today. We're going to talk about all the, the funky things that people try to do about the darker side of humanity. Darker side of real estate. And, uh, and really, I guess, what, if anything, we in the profession can do about it to prevent it from happening, if it happens, once it's happened. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're going to get into today. So I know at our brokerage, I do a lot of the FinTrack training. Mm-hmm. And it is notably the most exciting, <laughs> the most exciting sessions that anybody could ever take. Yes, I appreciate you taking that on. Thank you for. You know, I'm officially our compliance officer. You, it's a fancy title. Is that on your business card? <laughs> I think I'm going to make myself a badge. Yeah, you should. Could wear that. It's like a whistle. Like a little. A whistle would be a good idea. Hat. That would be. You know what? That's going to be our first piece of advice for realtors: carry a whistle for you, and the moment you smell a rat, mm. just blow the whistle really. That's right. Really loudly, but I—I I mean, I want—I want to talk about just like the the sorts of things we need to look out for. Not just people stealing a house from under your client's eyes, but there's lots of things to keep an eye on that can translate to pretty bad situations for you and your clients, especially um, in the real estate world. And so this is just going to be a dive into, I think, among other things, red flags. Yeah, and and why it's so important to be the bigger person and not just look beyond things because that's the easy thing to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's always situations in real estate where you have a gut feeling. And I think a lot of this can be helped by um, listening to your gut when you are dealing with certain situations, especially when it comes to people that you aren't don't know um you know repeat and referral clients is one thing obviously you know them but when it comes to dealing with strangers you have to be very careful not only for you know the safety of other people but also for yourself right well that's it and to be clear this thing that happened here in ontario was not the result of somebody who looked the other way in right. our profession. No, this, no. this wasn't like a preventable on the part of a realtor situation. 
although we don't have all the facts. So it really depends on yeah. what the realtor's roles <laughs> were. So I shouldn't say that. I but Can I tell you? No, I, don't tell me. I, I went down a rabbit hole, but it wasn't a very big, deep rabbit hole because I couldn't find anything. <laughs> it was like a rabbit puddle? It, it was. Well, I started to wonder. So the second story. So there was two stories for those of you that haven't heard. There was one. The first story that came out, um, this couple who was posing as the owners actually ended up selling the home and the buyers, I don't know if they actually ended up moving in, but the the owners that actually owned the home came back from vacation and came back to their house actually sold. Um, And then the second news story was they were caught in the process of trying to sell. The uncle of this woman who was reporting in the story or was being interviewed uh, went to a long-term care home. They had rented out the home at first and then tried to uh, sell it after the fact. So mm-hmm. a couple of different things here. But it's funny because the woman was named in the article. And so I was trying to find <laughs> where this house was because they had given kind of general directions mm-hmm. as to where the house was. And I was trying to find like, is there anything that could have been prevented in terms of like looking at the public records or, you know, doing any sort of due diligence to make sure, but I couldn't find the house. So I was very disappointed. Well, okay. So let's start with that then. Let's get these stories out of the way first before we get to the more tangible, what we can do stuff in our day to day. Because what happened in at least one, but I think both of these situations is we're going to call them fraudsters because that's what people like to call them. I Mm kind of hate that word, but the people committing the fraud will actually transfer title to their own identity. Right. In some cases. It's either it's either that or it's identity theft, right. pretty simply, identity where somebody theft, steals yeah. the identity of the person on title and then manages to leverage that right. to either sell it or in a lot of cases, the less risky thing to do, even though it's all risky because it's crime, <laughs> the less risky thing to do is to try to take out a loan or a mortgage against... Mm, that place because if you can identify yourself as the owner Mm. you could be entitled to a big payment that way without having to start dealing with things like showings and all the stuff that still blows my mind that people could actually get away with yeah Yeah. just like the thought and detail that goes into that and that that did happen in the first of these where it was it was shown i did we ever determine i know we talked with our team about it was this on mls uh, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. And that's the other thing. Maybe the other one wasn't either. And that's why I couldn't find it. Well, I mean, it would be, I mean, it's already pretty ballsy to do this to begin with. Yeah. But like Seriously. to actually put it in the domain where our profession is seeing something. Yeah. I know they used real estate agents though, at yeah. least in the second one. I'm pretty sure the first one as well. Yeah. Well, and and I guess, okay, let, let's make this then chapter one of this things to look out for for realtors, right? Because Mm -hmm. I don't know what conversations were had. I'm still under the assumption that the realtors were not part of it or in on it because I don't think they've been named. So that being said, picture yourself being a realtor because you are one Mm -hmm. and your phone rings, you get an email, whatever. Someone has looked you up, they claim and they say, I want to sell my house. Can you help me out? I want to keep it off MLS. (laughs) But you know, here's the address. I want a quick sale, most likely. Like if we think about the things that they probably would have said here, I want this to be quick. I'm not too fussy about price. I just want to get rid of it. And, you know, the story behind it is not of your concern, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I'm I'm committing the fraud, 
Yeah. I want to give as little detail as possible beyond it's me. It's me. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. It's me. It's me. <laughs> if they say that, you've got to run. If they call you with the Taylor Swift song, then that's probably part of the problem. Mm. Yeah. But this is, and we talk about this with our team a lot, this falls very much, and most fraud does, under the if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. And there's been instances, and I'm sure all of you have found you, yourself in a situation where you've been emailed or received a text message from somebody where it's like, is this legit? Is it not legit? You know? And so I'm sure it is is attempted a lot more than we, we probably think I, in our industry. I, well, think about fraud, right? And I mean, it's picking up more than ever before with the way that technology can be leveraged and the way that individuals across the globe can be used cheaply yeah. to get this out at mass. But fraud is successful because it preys on the things that people want, the things that mm. kind of cloud our judgment. Yeah. And for a lot of realtors, that's a commission check. Mm-hmm. That's the leads and the sales that we're all going after. And so it should immediately strike you as a little sus if you get any sort of contact from someone with whom you've never had contact before mm-hmm. saying, hey, I found you. Can you help me out? Yeah. Like, let's sell my place. No yeah. questions asked kind of thing. And one, you know what? One minor thing I suggest for people when people say, oh, hey, I found you. Where did you find me? Right. You know, like if it's my website that I don't have a website for or like, you know, like there's things like there's a lot of agents that are really um, present on YouTube or social media or whatever. Like, you know, sometimes it is legit because they've seen you online on one of the platforms you're on. But um, yeah, like I... I think that questioning that a little bit just from a curiosity standpoint well, it, yeah. is a good start. You want to you wanna reinforce that regardless of whether yeah. you're suspicious of someone anyway because you want to know what marketing's working, yeah. right? And that alone, and this is what I say in the exciting FinTrack training too, <laughs> like one orange to red flag is usually not enough to say I'm done with this. Right. It, it might be. Yeah. But once you get to step two, which is really the meat and potatoes of the deal. Mm-hmm. Like if you say, okay, you know, you don't have much of a story of how you found me. Like we're still trying to get people to call us. Yeah. People call us. If, you know, they give whatever reason they give, maybe you were a sign that was up in the area. Maybe they just looked up the closest real estate brokerage to where the property is yeah. and, you know, picked the name that they liked the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're into the, okay, let's get down to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because when someone first can't really substantiate a great reason for why they picked you, don't want to interview you, aren't putting you through, you know, any sort of tough... Vetting process. Yeah, earning the business perspective. Don't question things like commissions or anything like that, or even if they do, Mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, they're just trying to cash out. Yeah. What is the tone and the story behind what they're telling you or asking you. And if there's not much to it, that in itself is a very red flag because you need that information to do your job properly. Fraud or no fraud, you need to know as much as you can about your client and the property, motivations and objectives in order to get the job done effectively. Right? So again, that on its own maybe would still, and I think in these particular cases, I think judgment was clouded enough by somebody who 
was told, listen, I want to sell my place. I just want to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are private people. Some people will say, I don't really want to get yeah. into the weeds on why. Like it's, I'm just looking for someone to help me sell it because that's not something that I do. Right. Right. And again, even even as FinTrack is concerned, and for those of you who are in the States listening, FinTrack is basically the governing body that over that over oversights overlooks overseas overseas that's the word <laughs> i'm looking for I had my tenses wrong um they're basically in charge of watching for money laundering and financial uh, fraudulent transactions in canada mm-hmm. um which extends yeah, beyond real estate which extends beyond real estate but obviously real estate is one of if not the most yeah. I guess, vulnerable sector when it comes to large money transactions and cleaning and laundering money. Mm -hmm. So there is training that all realtors have to go through in order to stay up to date on the red flags and the things to do and the documentation that supports what we're doing. And so in this particular case, FinTrack actually doesn't say walk away, Mm -hmm. right? If, If you are suspicious of somebody, you don't necessarily deny the business i mean in my particular opinion if someone made me feel uncomfortable i would walk away from it but you're not required to do that but you are required to document it and Mm -hmm. keep track of the fact that they might not be giving you the answers or the information that you deem to be necessary or helpful to do the job properly Mm -hmm. Um, because then when push comes to shove and you come back to this and part of that also is verifying identity yeah Right, like a big part of it is getting pieces of identification that will verify who you're talking to is who they say they are. Right. Yeah. So I think you know, identity and getting that identity at the right time is important. And for those of us that are in Canada, Ontario, and follow the FinTrack rules, like a lot of times, you know, I I don't want to say everybody does it, but. How often do you look at people's identity once the? Because I think FinTrack the rule is once money change like for a buyer when you're receiving um, the deposit, mm. like the timing isn't specific, you, is it? You can't do it once the deal's been done. If that's what you're saying, like it's right. it's too late to verify identity if you've already right. done the deal and the deposit is in. You need to verify, yeah, that you know who money's coming from. Yes. But I'm um, saying like they've already accepted the offer. Like you're pretty much almost there. And if you're at the point where you're verifying identity, you know, you, then it's kind of... You shouldn't be verifying the identity pr- after a contract or an agreement been has signed. been signed. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I think there's a lot of agents out there that likely... Oh, I think there are. Oh, yeah. And so th- by that point, it's too late. Right. And this does feel like a chore to many. And I think to a lot of people in this industry and and even in, I think people, lawyers who oversee this, it's seen as almost redundant just Mm -hmm. due to what it represents and what the, like, this is really an additional record keeping function for after the fact. Mm -hmm. However, you need to look at this and I look at this as not so much the impact it's having for keeping an eye on anti-fraudulent and terrorist activities later on. It's protecting our own asses and keeping ourselves above board with the people we deal with, mm-hmm. right? Like if I, I've, I know our agents, I know myself, we've all had people we've dealt with who have not seemed entirely right mm-hmm. or haven't been you know, the people to whom we market or things have just felt off. 
Yeah. And that's not just with identity. In some cases, that's people who just make us uncomfortable. Right. Um, this sort of stuff is there as part of our process to help mitigate that. And, oh. Sorry. I thought you, yeah. <laughs> this is one of those, it's a week of sickness right now. We're lying right now. This is, again, I know we're not on video again today, but we're under a, a Christmas present I received <laughs> from my brother, which is a large blanket that is shaped and colored like a large tortilla chip. It's very warm. It's, it's a really soft. I've, been, I've slept under this blanket now for the last five days straight. It's mm-hmm. just been a, I mean, it's a little bit messy because it's got like the burn marks on it of a tortilla chip. So it kind of looks like a, kind of doesn't have the coloring selection <laughs> that I'd want in a blanket necessarily, but yeah, it is comfy. Anyway. Anyway, so we're not going to like, I don't want to. Um, I, I think everyone gets the yeah, point. Yeah, gets the point. Of, yeah. Of, you know, you've so, got to be. Vigilant. Dil- vigilant, diligent, do it on time, do it when it makes sense to do it. And if you feel off about the identity you're reviewing, ask for a, an, a second piece of identification as well. Like it's, it doesn't hurt to ask for people's passport or, or something like that because... Well, and in FinTrack, you're required to do that if you don't have a driver's license or a passport. Right, right. I'm saying like if you see a driver's license and you're like, eh, this looks a little sketch. <laughs> it's, it says his name is John Smith yeah. and he was born in 1972 and he's a teenager. Um, and then the other thing we've we just learned, I didn't realize this, is that at least in Ontario, you can do an actual check of somebody's license to make sure it's valid. Like if you Google whatever valid Ontario driver's license or something, you should be able to find it. But you just enter in their driver's license number and it just confirms whether it's valid, which is another good check. And a lot of our agents have been using it from the rental side of things as well. Because a lot of times when you're renting to or you're working with tenants, those people are more typically people that you don't necessarily know um, because you might be getting leads for your listing or whatever it is. Like it's just, it seems to be more common. Um, so before you go out and start showing properties to the people, to those people, getting their identification and making sure they are who they say they are is, is always a good practice. Yeah. Because think think about all the things. Like everything can go wrong. Mm-hmm. We're in a very vulnerable industry. Yeah. We're, in, we're in an economy where everyone's freaking out. Lots of people are in rough spots. People are desperate on both sides. People committing fraud are desperate. Mm-hmm. And people subject to fraud yeah. are being preyed on because they're desperate, yeah. right? So things like mortgage fraud and the stuff that goes beyond, you know, selling a house from under your nose, yeah. there's people now running into foreclosure problems or the risk of foreclosure. Mm-hmm. As an example, there's going to be an increasingly large amount of people going after these vulnerable folks with financing not even I don't even know if they're scams because yeah. it's above board financing taking advantage of people who don't know any better. Yeah. So even though we're not in you know the mortgage and and broker field that way that is something if you know of people who are clients of yours or people who are in tough spots or asking you questions about what they're supposed to do tell them to be vigilant and on the lookout for off looking financing approaches to things that mm-hmm. seem like magic pills to get them out of things because what they land up doing in a lot of cases is adding these financiers onto title mm-hmm. putting them into positions of priority yeah and really putting these these owners into even tougher situations financially well where they'll lose their property quicker 
and to the people who have just defrauded them trying to tell them they have the answer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that that's another example in foreclosure fraud. I mean, title fraud we talked about a bit. Mortgage fraud is part of this as well. Um, but let's go beyond just the people. Yeah. Because when we do our job, as we sort of talked about before, it's also about the actual substance of what we do, which is the property mm-hmm. and learning as much as we can about the property. Now, in this first case that happened, um, I believe it was that title was actually fraudulently transferred, transferred to the right. people who were committing the fraud, mm-hmm. which puts a realtor in a very difficult position because if we were to look up title, mm-hmm. we'd see the people we're dealing with. Like yeah. it would have been a verified ownership. And in our case, well, I'll say in my case, I would never look beyond that. Well, I mean, looking at the history of the transfer as well, like if it was an immediate transfer, then a red flag would pop up. That's true. Say like, you just got this property. Like how, how did that happen? And I don't know what the dates were or anything like that. Maybe it did show that they've owned the house for five years or whatever it is. But um, yeah, like looking at the history of how long they've owned the property is, is another thing Um, and, and kind of who owned it prior to them. Um, those are all kind of things that you can do to just make sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Yeah, I, that's a very good point because I, was, I, I had thought that maybe they just changed the name of the person. Yeah, well, maybe they did. And but that's no, you, another, I, yeah. I don't know though, but you're right. Like if you, if you check title normally as part of your due diligence, you're looking at the history of the property. And mm-hmm. if it was a transfer a week ago yeah. <laughs> to it's their like, name for $0, eh, what's going on here? like yeah. who is this and what are those people and what's the story? Yeah. And I also look at like the history, like in our system, at least you can take a look at the last state, like the sales history dating back forever for that particular property. So just kind of taking a look at what the house used to look like, who their who the agent was that helped them buy, maybe um, just kind of comparing the names and, and doing that kind of thing can also be a good practice as well. Um, the more The more digging you can do, the better, especially when you're a little bit sussy about the whole situation well and things will get sussier as you go i think because you know we're all good at our jobs and we have process that we put into place even if you get a freak listing out of nowhere yeah um you know you're going to want to do the things necessary to market it effectively and to Mm -hmm. put it out there and if you have a seller who's reluctant to give you the time or to take your advice on things, and it doesn't seem like there's a very good reason other than I need this done as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. without being able to understand why the as quickly as possible is needed, it it's another layer on that cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, same thing goes with you know the requirements tied to closing, right? Because it might be I want this sold and money in my pocket like ASAP. Mm-hmm. And... That's not, again, in isolation, that's not strange. There's people out there, especially, again, in this economy who need that. But when you see somebody saying that and it doesn't line up with other factors that are going on, these are the sorts of things you need to look at as a listing agent. Mm -hmm. Um, In theory, you're probably also going to be dealing with potentially cooperating agents, maybe not. Right, because yeah. if this is off market, I think that's probably a better way to perpetrate the fraud as well. Yeah, if they want it listed privately, and you're bringing in people and seeing them, it's another reason why 
there's protection for all the parties when it isn't a multiple representation situation as well. Yeah. If you have two people looking at a deal, it's not like you all want to get the deal done. Everybody wants to get a deal done for their clients, but it allows an extra set of eyes to be a little bit suspicious of what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's really important. And again, like I think it's, it comes back to that gut feeling as well. Like if you're feeling like just something's off getting somebody else to come in and and kind of evaluate the situation or give you their two cents is a great way to make sure you're not feeling crazy or going through. But yeah, I think it's just more the, like, I don't know, like these are professionals, so they could make you believe that they're, everything's fine and you know, but I would suspect that people like that would want to rush into things and just get get the thing done. Right. And we all know that most people in normal situations and a legit situations aren't in such a rushy position and really want to evaluate their options and make sure the pricing is right and all that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this down a slightly different road and I'm going to be careful because there's things I'm not allowed to talk about. Okay. But we you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't. We we have been in a situation that has been sus. Mm. And the reason I can't talk about it is one of my warnings to everybody who's listening to this as well. Mm. We got out of it in a way that to this point has put ourselves and several other innocent people in a tough spot because of a fraudster. The challenge is... When you're under contract with somebody Mm. and they're your client, the legal opinion we've received is you owe a fiduciary duty to them regardless of what may have happened Mm. until something's proven in court and all the things that go after that. So you also need to be careful when you put pen to paper and take someone on as a client, I do think criminal activity supersedes like you, like you, you can testify and things like that. However, until such time that that happens, you're working in the best interest of your client. And that, among other things, prevents you from even giving out warnings to future realtors who might take on these people as clients. Mm -hmm. Because in the case of what we had dealt with, um, you know, this individual who we were able to separate ourselves from um, just went to get another realtor because we weren't providing the service that they would have wanted and making it as easy for them to do what they were trying to do. And so they took on another realtor, but we couldn't then call the other realtor and say, this is not somebody you want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not a realtor would take that at face value and not think it was sour grapes is not really our concern. It's legally we were not allowed to do that because it would have been, um, what's the word? It would have been like sort of breaching our contract, I guess, Yeah. with the client relationship. So that to me is a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a rule that shouldn't exist. I mean, if somebody runs into something, they shouldn't be protected. Um, however, it is something you should know about, at least in this jurisdiction in Ontario, but I would suspect that that's the fiduciary duty that everyone holds to a client in all jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be aware, it isn't just about, I don't want to do a deal with this person, the moment you're under a contractual relationship with them, sure, it protects you. But the point of that relationship is it protects them as well, that you're doing everything in their best interest. And if their best interest might be stuff you're not comfortable with, you just need to be careful how you walk that line. 
because you can get yourself out of it and you can walk away, but you might still not be able to take your suspicions elsewhere mm-hmm. until a future time. And, and, and so that's a tough thing to be aware of as well uh, and something that we've dealt with. Right, yeah. So lots of things to look at. It does come down, like Katie said, to trusting your gut, looking for these signs. This goes for other situations as well. Like we talked to um, you know, members of our brokerage, especially you know, female realtors who get uncomfortable Mm-hmm. with random guys who want to meet them or call them or give them business. It's normal to feel suspicious of that. And it's definitely encouraged that you reach out to colleagues or your broker of record or people you trust to accompany you, give their opinions, be a part of it, just to make you feel comfortable. Because above all else, it doesn't matter how many dollars might be involved in a transaction, safety, well-being, obviously trumps everything. Mm -hmm. It's way more important than whatever it is you might think is there. And again, if something seems too good to be true, there's probably another reason it's coming to you. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, be diligent about your paperwork, about your reviewing things. You know, there's so much on the internet right now. Take advantage of that and do some digging. Try to find, you know, records of you know if if it's a stranger you're working with make sure that they're an actual person and they're not this ghost that seems to be not real um because maybe it is um and and again like you know you don't want to have your backup around every single situation you encounter but you do have to be cautious and you just need to be very diligent about doing everything you can to make sure that everything is above board. Um, and some things you can't control at the end of the day. Like I think, you know, you can't be, nobody can be expected to catch everything that they come across in every instance of potential fraud. But I think the more aware people are of these situations that can happen, um, the more you can can be aware of them. And when you do see it, make sure you're reporting it. That's another really important thing. Don't just turn away the business because we've seen, you know, many times where, you know, things are just mentioned and it's like, that's not right. Like, you know, oh, just put this extra rent money um, onto the agreement to lease because the owners need to show that they're making more in rent in order to make their mortgage work and to get it approved. You know, those that's fraud. That's mortgage fraud. Um, and I think a lot of people are turning a blind eye to those situations and just saying, well, if I'm not involved in it, it's not my fault. But if we want to be able to catch these things from happening, we've got to be the ones that report it when we see it. Right. That's that's really important. It's not just looking for it. It's sharing what you see also. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to find things if people aren't out there telling us what they're seeing and what's happening. Yeah. Right. Fool me once, shame on you. And fool me twice, shame on me. Right. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. I think that's how it goes. Yeah. So with that... We thank you, as always, for tuning in to this positive and uplifting episode of Level Up. <laughs> we'll be back with some more exciting content next week. That's and right. We're live next week, or we'll be... we'll be. Oh, yeah. We're going to be with uh, Dolores Trentadu and Sonia Torres from the Trentadu Torres team. Did you hear me say that twice? She did that. That's like, <laughs> this has been the, the so most ready. challenging tug twister of her life, and she just nailed it. I know. So I'm ready to introduce them tomorrow, and uh, we'll be live tomorrow, which is, I guess, 
a week after week before we we live the episode on our podcast yeah like scratch that tomorrow everybody because tomorrow is <laughs> actually today when well, this podcast comes listen, out but if you're listening to the podcast when it the day it comes out you can tune into our facebook group live at one o'clock and we will be live there with the trent to do taurus team Yes. So that's live on <laughs> Monday, January the 25th, just so we're clear about what we're talking about here. Correct. Okay. Fantastic. But don't wait for that. Listen to this. But now you've already made it to the end of this episode, so we're done. And we appreciate it. All right. Follow, share, like, subscribe, comment, and all that jazz. And we will see you again very, very soon. Bye bye. <laughs> Level up, 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 level up,